You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. Hello, one and all. If I sound a little bit tired, if I sound like I'm not recording from my usual microphone, it's because I'm not there. I'm actually in my room getting ready to sleep. But when you're a content creator, that's really something that you can't afford to do. Uh, I'm in the process of moving to Wisconsin, as many of you probably heard. Uh, and, you know, I, I had to go ahead and pack up the, the mic and everything else. I try and record new content way in advance for situations like this. So I wanted to go ahead and give you a brand new episode, either a monologue or a guest or something else. But I, I feel like right now this was a good opportunity for me to go ahead and pull something from my old show, The Remsen Martinez Experience, and re-air it here because of two things. One, the timing, and two, the purpose. One, the timing, uh, because this is an episode about getting out of your comfort zone. This is an episode about getting un- you know, comfortable with being uncomfortable and you know, engaging with new experiences. And this is what I'm going to be discussing over the next couple months as I transition into my first big move away from my friends, away from my family, as the first time you know, as an adult. And, uh, you know, with this, I'll admit I'm nervous about some things. I'm going out all in for a new job and new opportunities that I I hope really succeed. So that's one. Secondly, uh, this was recorded back in 2019, way, way, way before COVID. And while it might, some of the stuff might seem a little bit dated, I think some a lot of the big concepts here in terms of self-reliance, ability to travel and move, the ability to adapt to new locations and, you know, getting out of the mainstream systems of public education, public services, stuff like that. A lot of that stuff matters now more than it did a couple of years ago. So, you know, in, in a way, this is kind of a closed loop because for this episode specifically with Eli Bowman and his family traveling in an RV across the country, they kind of saw, you know, what was going to happen if people began to uh, limit certain opportunities, if they hadn't pulled their kids out of school, if they had, you know, only one home somewhere and, you know, suddenly their freedom of movement got restricted. So in a way, it's almost like they were preparing for this then and even now. I'm, I think they're still in the, the RV, actually. Um, a lot more people are starting to understand that they need their ability to move, that they need to develop you know, skills that they can take anywhere. Eli talks about how he can still work from basically anywhere in the country because he has access to the internet and stuff like that. So in a way, I feel like this episode is more relevant now than it was back then. 
And I'm going to go ahead and actually play the play the episode, but go ahead and add some tips at the end of it. So that way we can kind of get some nice bookends on this to discuss the skills and things that matter now that we really need to be discussing as we've been discussing on this show and we'll do so in the future. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Matt Conroy, country Americana songwriter and recording artist, and you're listening to the Remso Martinez Experience. Pop quiz. You wake up one day and you think, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of change my whole life around. I'm going to go ahead and focus more on my family, and I'm going to do that by cramming everyone I love into an RV and go across the country. So that sounds like the making of a bad, you know, reality sitcom, right? Well, I'm sorry, a reality show sitcom, one, one or the other. Ah, screw it. This is the Remsen Martinez experience. Folks, welcome to another episode of the Remso Martinez Experience. I'm your host, as always, Remso W. Martinez. Do me a quick favor. Go and download Vero. It's the politically free. It's the stupid SJW free. It's basically what social media is supposed to be. It's supposed to be social. It's focused around music, art, photography, uh, you know, interesting content, movies, books, you name it. It's what we're actually hoping that social media would have been a place where people can just unplug from the world and just have a little bit of fun without the craziness that our modern social media experience has turned into people selling your data fights everywhere, shadow banning, purging. If you just want to have a good time, check out Vero and you can go ahead and follow me on Vero just at Remso Martinez. Got the blue little, little check mark there and everything. Anyway, uh, Onto the show. We've got a good friend coming back on. You may have remembered him the last time we were talking about blockchain technology, third parties, you know, the, the, the same gambit. But this time things have gone a, a little bit differently. The the past I want to say the past five months that you know that we've kind of been back since we relaunched the show, I, I've been trying to get away from just, you know, what what I call typical thinking. You know, the, the typical way we see the world. You're not part of the world. You're just a tool in it. You can't really, you know, change your life. You can just adapt to it. And whether it's been, you know, spiritually, physically, financially, the one thing that I've been trying to go on to discover, and we've had a lot of amazing guests to talk about this with, is that you really can not necessarily control every aspect of your life, but you can make your life accommodate the life that you want to live. And um, the person that we're going to go ahead and talk to today has really tried to do that. They've re- he's really tried to focus on what's best for him, what's best for his family, so that way they can, you know, I don't know if it's live a more fulfilling life or get more out of it. We'll, we'll let him answer all this stuff. But ladies and gentlemen, you know him from his work over the Libertarian Republic? Ladies and gentlemen, Eli Bowman. Eli, it's great to have you back on the show again. Man, I am so happy to be back, Ramzo. Thank you so much for having me on. 
oh, it's not a problem. And, you know, so I for a little while, I thought that, you know, your appearance on last time may have ruined your life because of your association with me. Because the last <laughs> time that we spoke, you uh, you basically moved into an RV and you've been fleeing across the country. Um, that's not my fault, obviously. But, man, like what what happens? I mean, I, I follow you on Facebook and you, you, you guys are having more fun than most people I know when they go on road trips, usually it's, you know, the first couple of days are fine. Then, you know, everyone has to get used to, you know, being sleep deprived and sharing one bedroom right. and then you want to murder everyone. And then everyone goes <laughs> home at the end of the week. But this is now month 18 of you and your family's road trip adventure. How'd this get started? And, you know, what, what are you trying to do? What are you guys doing? It, it, wow. How, how did it start? Well, first of all, if I do get in trouble, I'm just going to blame you. If for some reason the feds catch up to me somehow and I'm wanted somewhere, I'm just going to say, you know what? This is all Remzo's doing. It's his fault we're here. It's his fault we're in an RV. <laughs> Look but, what uh, he did to my kids. Exactly. So that way I can get off scot-free. Get in line. But, uh, <laughs> we, you know, my my wife had this crazy idea to uh, to put our family in a really tiny little home on wheels and travel the country. And for two and a half years, I was just a hard pass. I thought that's silly. My, my business is here and we're from Columbus, Ohio. You know, I thought my business is in Columbus. My friends are here. I have some family here. Um, a lot of family had moved, but I still had some, I was basically thinking of anything I possibly could to hang on to uh, back home. Exactly. That's exactly right. I was comfortable and I didn't want to stretch my comfort zone. Um, but over time, man, my wife just kept chipping at me and you know, I'm a church goer and I kind of felt like, i kind of felt like God was kind of doing the same thing. And I thought, okay, I better listen. So long story short, I finally, finally got on board and thought to myself, okay, this might be cool to get into an RV and to just take our kids whom we homeschool anyway, across the country and give them sort of an enhanced version of education. And that's what we did, Remzo. We, we bought a 40-foot RV. Uh, it's a class A diesel pusher. Now, let me I'll just explain what that is. RVs, there's a bunch of different kinds of RVs. You got to think like tour bus. So it's a huge bus and it's got slide outs on the sides that make it bigger when you park. And to drive it, you just walk to the front and there's a big old steering wheel, kind of like a big semi truck. And it's like driving. It's like driving a semi truck, to be honest. It's like the Millennium Falcon of RVs. You got it. And I can almost do the Castle Run in, was it 12? Oh, I think it's like 12 parsecs. 12 parsecs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'd love to see that thing do it in 1200 parsecs, but, um, it is, it was a big transition just driving my little compact sedan, a little Kia that I had at home to driving this monster. Not only that, we were towing, we're towing our minivan across the country too. So we have a whole bunch of footage that I got to manage. But anyway, it has been quite, quite the journey so far. And I mean, how, how long did you originally intend on doing this? My, I told my wife that I would commit to a year at the most. And I thought, okay, if I tell her a year, maybe we're looking at, you know, eight to 10 months in reality before we really get uncomfortable, um, and turn around and come home. Well, I fell in love with the lifestyle. Um, I went through some 
personal changes on this. I've gone through some personal changes on this trip. When I say personal changes, what, what I mean is just, you know, positive changes. I've lost 71 pounds. Oh my God. And I've, I, I'm reading a lot more than I used to. I'm writing more. My education has, has really uh, improved as far as you know, all the areas that I really want to educate myself on. Um, I'm reading more classics, um, in literature, listening to more classic music and my kids are benefiting also. Uh, it, so we've, we've really kind of gone through some changes, my whole family on this trip. Uh, but a lot of people will just wonder, you know, why would you do that? Yeah. I mean, it seems, so a bit, it. It, it seems a bit like, I, I don't want to say radical, but it's definitely not what most people would consider the most normal choice when you talk about bringing your family closer. Some people would think counseling. Some people would think of vacation. <laughs> I mean, this is a this is a drastic life change for many people. It is. It is a drastic life change, and you're right. It is. It is weird. When I say weird, I mean when you see people's faces. When you, I remember when we were preparing. When I was telling my you know my associates and my my customers and my friends what we were doing and. I got the same look from all of them, which was just sort of this blank <laughs> expression of confusion and and trying to understand if I was joking or if I was serious. Uh, but so so it is received uh, in a very interesting way by most people. Yeah, you, because when I think of a Mormon family traveling across country in an RV, I think that there might be you know some some strange stuff going on based off some bad apples in the past. So like, sure. Without knowing you, I've been like, okay, like where, where are all the guns? What's, what's, what's happening right now? What's going on? Those really your kids? Really? Like, what, what's I may going or may not here? have uh, I may or may not have firearms in the RV. I will neither confirm nor deny. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but uh, no, no. So it's been, we homeschooled the kids beforehand and, it was one thing to read about, um, you know, Monticello, a place you're familiar with it being in your backyard. And it's a different thing to go there and to walk on the grounds and to to hear, you know, from experts in front of your face, the stories of things that happened there, not only with Thomas Jefferson, but the atrocities with with slave ownership and and uh, and just slaves in general in Virginia at that time. The education my children have been getting on this RV journey has been you know, next to none, I mean, second to none, basically. It has been a top-notch, world-class education, mostly in history, uh, because you know, when you're traveling the country, you can go to these historic places and they can feel, they can feel what it's like to be there. We went to the slave quarters in Mount Vernon when we were in Virginia. By, by the way, we loved Virginia and who knows, we may end we, we up are there the when we're done. State. We are the best state. Yeah. I'm just saying. Well, we're, we're thinking of, we're, we're thinking of moving there when we're done with this, to be honest. That's how, that's how great of an experience we had. Um, but even going up to, you know, upstate New York and seeing some of the, the history there. Uh, now, now we've gone out West. We've, we were in California for six months. Lots. Of, so the education has been top notch. That, but you mentioned yeah, vacation. You mentioned vacation, and I, I, I want to say something on this because a lot of when we when we post our uh, parts of our journey on social media, the reaction is, "Wow, you guys are traveling a lot on this vacation," and it's not a vacation. It's actually just our lifestyle right now. <laughs> so, and, and I feel like that's like we're trying to 
correct people every once in a while. Now we're not on vacation. You know, as I'm, I'm doing typing fingers as I say this. We're not on vacation. Quote, this is vacation. Just, yeah, okay. right. This, this is just how we live these days until we're done. So and we will be done. I can't imagine we will be going into 2020 full timing in our RV anymore. Or uh, we'll probably still own our RV, um, but we'll probably be starting to uh, to sort of organize routes again uh, wherever we decide to, to end up. Virginia leading the way, but Utah maybe a close second. Well, I mean, Virginia always leads the way, but I'll, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I won't correct you on that anymore. I, I think, you know, I, I want to talk about more of the vacation aspect because uh, I read an article t- the other day saying, you know, why is it America the most prosperous country on the face of the world? You know, its people on average are more sleep deprived or more overworked and take less personal time off than any other developed nation in the world. And at first Mm. I thought it was kind of a joke, but I I think what we've done is we've oriented our life towards production. And, um, you know, I'm talking very, very basic terms here, folks. Like, you know, I don't want to sound like, oh, you know, we're the producers, therefore we have to constantly work. No, I'm talking like we orient our lives towards the pursuit of, you know, a a certain financial goal a certain, you know, a certain, you know, market value, how society deems us as being successful people. Um, I, I think when we just follow that collective mindset, I think we tend to lose a part of ourselves and we start to put our own passions aside. We ignore our own mental health. I mean, how is it that the most prosperous country in the world where we are so blessed, you know, to just live here? How, why is it we're the most depressed mm. in Western mm. civilization? That's a really good right question. Now? And <clears throat> I think I think that we, what we've done is we've said, you know, you have to you have to earn joy. You have to earn relaxation. And to a large degree, I think that is true. Like if you're on food stamps and you're not doing well, I don't think you should plan that Disney World vacation. If you can't <laughs> retire at at 65 and you think you're going to be retiring in your 80s and you're going to be a Walmart greeter, you should not take, you know, a lot of extra time off and just spend your money on frivolous stuff. But for a lot of people, we, we ignore that part of ourselves that say we need to rest and we need to do something different because we're not chasing our definition of happiness. We're chasing what we've been told is happiness. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think that's a really excellent analysis because you're right about America. When even from the very beginning, we had a grit about us and the grit was we made it work. That's what we've done since the 1700s. We've always, in really the 1600s, we've made it work over here uh, in this in this land, and and it is ingrained into our culture. And I was there before we left. That was me, honestly, Remzo. It was me not wanting to get uncomfortable. It was I have my work here. This is this is where I'm I, I'm I'm doing all of my things. And why would I change? Why would I go on this RV trip? So I was, I, I would definitely say I was in that group. But now that I've gone on it and I've seen so much of the country and I've been able to sort of maybe break the, free of that mentality of I, get, I have to produce all the time. I am honestly happier now, Remso. I, I have worked far less on this trip than I did when I was back. And, and, and somehow, you know, it, we're, we're making it work and we're not just making it work, but we're loving it. 
how how would you describe your relationship with your family during this process? I mean, obviously it was it wasn't too drastic of a change. I mean, like I was a home I, like I was a homeschooler for a little bit, and even though I was around my parents all the time, it still felt like you know I'm not really I'm not really spending additional time with my family just to enjoy their presence. It's like we're around each other all day. We've gone through this stuff. Dad's coming home from work. Mom's tired of teaching us. I'm tired of seeing my brother. It's like at the end of the day, we all just kind of go to our own rooms and just, you know, distract ourselves with a tablet or something. Now you guys Mm -hmm. are in a very confined space and you're dealing with each other, not just, you know, in the same physical presence, but now you're kind of forced to interact with each other. And I know mm-hmm. for a lot of families, like they all say they love each other until you're all sharing one bathroom. <laughs> well, that's a, so let me give you some context here uh, and how that point kind of applies to us. Uh, some of your listeners know just from me being on in the past. But if you don't know, I have uh, my wife and I had a set of twins. And then about two and a half years later, we had a set of triplets. So we have five oh, kids and they're all. They're all. Well, I know you knew that, but but yeah, that's the reaction we it's, tend to get. It's still it's still kind of shocking <laughs> when you think of like the time between. You really right. didn't have a time that's, to like. That, okay, we, we've got we've got the one kid to screw up. Like I was the firstborn child, so I was called the crash test baby. And then my brother <laughs> comes around three years later, and they're like, "We're gonna get this little bastard right." So you know, <laughs> you, you guys really didn't have any breathing space between any of that. No, we went from zero to five in, in two and a half years. So we, it is, but Hey, only two birthdays to remember Remzo. So, you know, it makes, that, it makes part, it I, that. that part is a little easier, uh, but they're big birthdays. Um, but so, you know, at home, they, we had three bedrooms between the five kids. So, you know, a couple of them shared and that was fine. And, and we did, and they, but they had space and, and we had two bathrooms at our house. Uh, and so again, if you, if someone was in there, you just went to the other one, no big deal. Now, not only do they share one bathroom, and there is only one shower, there is one sink, <laughs> they all sleep, Remzo, they all sleep in the same main cabin area of the RV. So it's basically that all five of them share a room. Now, my wife and I have our, our, our room in the back, um, and we have our queen bed and our space. So, you know, mom and dad are going to get what, yeah, we're going to get what we want to get, of course. We're funding this whole excursion. But but the kids just have that one spot, that one spot. And so to your point about the family dynamic and relationships, is it perfect? No, of course it isn't. I mean, it, these kids are so close together. There's going to be, there's going to be some tension, but just this morning, this very morning, my, my oldest daughter, who is 10, we were kind of doing some study and, and the question came up, well, what are some things that you're thankful for? And she said, I'm thankful to be a part of this family. And she's sort of changing now. She's sort of getting a little bit more attitude. Turns 11 later this year. She's kind of getting into that. I have a little bit more attitude. I'm a little bit more independent. That little, that, that, that emo stage that comes <laughs> the very, very onset of puberty. Um, so we're getting a little bit of, of uh, that attitude. Um, the kids I could describe as best frenemies. I think you might know what that means. That That is the best way to describe it because – uh, you, you know, with with my family, we weren't I, I won't say that we were in the exact same situation as yours was in Our, ours. We didn't really have a choice. My father was is a, an active duty army officer. So we moved from the time I was seven years old. We moved to a different place every year until I was about um, 
13, 14, when we moved to Virginia in 2008, we've been lucky enough to stay here. So I was able to complete high school here. I went off to Alabama for two years. I came back to finish my undergrad and then I moved back home. But, you, you know, like we were, I, I specifically, my brother was a bit different. I was public schooled, homeschooled, and private schooled. Ryan went to public school mm-hmm. for a couple of years, but we found that for his own learning um, aperture, like it was better for him to be homeschooled. That's just where he thrived more. Sure. With me, sure. you know, I was a bit like I'm not gonna say I was a social butterfly, but like it's more like I thought my mom was going to probably you know drive her car into a wall if she had to deal with me another day. So <laughs> I, I think that I I did what was considered an act of love, and I gave my mom the gift of not having to deal with me 24 seven. That in that way, so I very selfless. Back, yeah, so I, it was it was I, I keep telling her like you're welcome, but um do do you right. like not having gray oh, hairs good. right now? You're welcome, but it, you know it was. It was really just me and my family for the longest time. It was just the four of us. And we always mm-hmm. had, you know, we have a dog and the cats. Like, it was just us. And, you know, like, there, there was one point in our life where when we moved to Australia, we were in a we were in a hotel for over eight weeks. And during that time, you know, we, we definitely got to know each other a little bit more because we were all sharing one bathroom. Oh, and that's, sure. And that's why I totally right. – that, that's why I've been focusing in on the one bathroom thing because you never know – like your depth of hatred or love for someone until you have to share one bathroom. And, you know, we did and you that. also never know how well your kids can dance when they're waiting outside of that bathroom door. Three, you know, in a they're line, gonna, three, kids look like Will, three kids. Yeah, they're going to look like like freaking Will exactly. at some point. But like that was it, it was one of those situations where I think a lot of families Especially in our, you know, um, you know, suburban middle class communities, I think, you know, we we love our families, we'll keep our families together. But because of the constant, you know, work climate we're in where, you know, you got to also make sure the kids are going to all their sports and all their clubs and they're going to play dates and with everything else. I think the families, I, I think I think they have a harder time responding to big like internal personal problems that all families have when mm-hmm. they don't necessarily mm-hmm. really get quality time together versus when you know you, you've gone through some of those more gentle growing pains as a family because you've been forced to interact sure. with each other in a way where it's like you're actually making eye contact you're not skyping from the you know from the basement of the house to the top floor saying that dinner is ready and, you're face to face a lot of the time. You're right in front of each other, elbow to elbow, face to face. And you're right. There, there is something in that type of interaction that is not duplicatable, um, you know, digitally uh, in, in any way. So, no, you're absolutely right. And and we've we've experienced that. And and you you had mentioned something about um, about you know. Uh, camping and being together in like a small space. It, it, there are, I feel like there are some cons to this, you know, this isn't always, you know, beautiful and this isn't like, Oh, they're going to all these, you know, national parks and these beautiful well, Like places. on taco night, stuff. you better make sure that the windows are open or else the whole family. <laughs> that, that, excellent example. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of it is Tuesday today. So I, I, I might hit up some tacos later, but yeah, yeah. Um, and out West, you know, there was always taco Tuesday sales, always. but, uh, in, in our clothes, for example, our clothes, we, we, we don't have a lot of space. There's not a lot of storage space in RVs. And so you have to deal with less. And I have like the same maybe five shirts that I rotate 
you know, through and they're getting beat up <laughs> and, you know, same with my pants, my shoes are all tore up and it's like that with my whole family. So it, we go out, we go to these really pretty places. We post this really pretty picture on, on social media and not, we don't do it because it's pretty. We do it because that's what, you know, that's just what we're doing at the time. But if you zoom in on all of our shoes, you'll see how banged up and beat up they are. If you zoom in on my shirt, you'll see some, you know, stain. A little dot stain here and a dot stain there, and you know, that's part of the part of the cost of this camping sort of lifestyle. Yeah, and I, I want to kind of transition to that aspect. As you mentioned, um, you know, you you owned a business. Obviously, you know, when you decide to get the RV and start kind of moving around all fifty states, like. What 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 did the what did the financial portion of that look like? I mean, was your wife working? Did you you know did you have to get a new job that was more you know internet based you know remote based? I mean, how did that look financially? Did you did you lose money? Did you make money? I mean, how how's that whole thing work? Because for a lot of people, the big thing is going to be you know they're going to assume that you must have had like a whole bunch of like Mormon gold stocked somewhere and then you just took it out <laughs> and now you're just gone. Go Which is the best kind fun. of gold, by the way. Absolutely. We all, we all know that underneath <laughs> every Mormon temple is a giant stack of gold just for these trips. But, um, but like, Oh, you oh, got geez. quiet. Is that real? I was just, joking. Oh, no. am I onto something? <laughs> no, am I going to die real. later? Anyway, like, what, <laughs> what did the financial portion of this whole thing look like? How long did it take to kind of figure it out? And what was it like once you started actually going on the road? Well, first of all, kudos for asking that question, because I think that's the question that most people are curious about. The Mormon and uh, it doesn't surprise <laughs> not the Mormon gold. <laughs> although, although if I find that to be true, I'm going to buy two shovels. I'll toss you one and we'll go. Uh, we'll go to temple to temple. And we'll, how about that? Oh, my gosh. Um, that's my that's retirement a... right there. Don't get me excited. <laughs> Well, people like to, they're curious, you know, how do you, how do you pay for this type of trip? You know, and we kept our house. We didn't sell our house. Most full-time families, they sell their home to buy an RV and that's sort of what they live in. And then when they're done doing the RV life, they've got to negotiate how they're going to settle back into a house. And that can be tricky. Uh, so, I, and I'll answer this very briefly because it, what I do is not really interesting or it's not, it's not sexy. It's, it's not, it's kind of boring. I own You're a business. You're not cooking meth out we, of your RV. We can assume correct. that. Correct. No, no, no. That because would the be a hundred times lot more of, exciting than what I do. It would be the real life breaking bad, except instead of one minor accomplice, you've got five. Right. It's like breaking bad meets like, oh, you know, one big happy. And, uh, <laughs> That's what it would be, right? Um, but uh, so I, I own a company that helps other businesses pay less to accept plastic, like Visa and MasterCard. You know, when companies pay, when companies accept plastic, they've got to pay a fee, usually around three you percent, know, to accept those payments. I That's why reduce no one likes that MasterCard. Right, exactly. So I reduce that fee for businesses, and they don't. It doesn't cost them a dime for me to do that. But the processing company does compensate my company, and so but but the, but the compensation is recurring. It's a, it's a passive residual revenue stream. Oh, nice. So I've built a business, and my customers are all happy. And every month, 
my processing partners are paying me some revenue, um, you know, for bringing them new customers. And so those residual checks that, that passive income has funded this whole trip. And that, that's, that's why I have so much free time. That's why I haven't really worked on this trip. I understand not every, in fact, most people aren't in that position to where they have a passive income stream where they can, uh, you most know, kind people of spend don't understand what passive income is outside of your right. estate. You're right. Like, You're right. I tell people um, that when I was, you know, unemployed for a long, large amount of time, I was still making money through residual and passive income. They looked at me like, "What? What the hell is that?" Right. Yeah, it's very misunderstood. Or if they don't, if they don't understand it through real estate, they think, "Oh, that's 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 an MLM or a network marketing company yeah. type of situation," and, and that that's got sort of a negative stigma as well. Um, but but that's how I've been funding it, Remzo. My business that I've built before we before we left that's still paying me, and so and when I'm done, I'll go back to it and continue to grow. Now you asked about if I've made less money. If you've ever owned a business, and I know you have, you're either growing or you're dying. So uh, I I haven't been growing since I've left, and I've only been dying at a very small clip. So we're, we, we've lucked out so far. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. um, what, what else? Because we, we've covered a lot of stuff. What are what, what are some of the stigmas that you've encountered when you tell people that you know, this is what you and your family are doing. And how, how much longer do you think you're going to keep doing this real quick? So, yeah, no, we're not going to go into, we're not going to go into 2020, okay. um, with, uh, do, doing this. We are going to settle down probably in the late fall. I'm guessing October, November, um, Virginia or Utah are, are on the list. As far as uh, how it's been received by people, most people, they admire what we're doing. And I've never heard so many people say you are doing what I've always wanted to do. And all I can say is, well, find a way to do it, man. <laughs> uh, again, not always easy for everybody. Um, but, but, you know, if you really, really want something, I always encourage people, you know, go for it. And this is no different. I highly recommend, Remzo, that if people are considering even doing three months, six months in an RV just to, to travel and see the country, my goodness gracious, please do it. Find a way to get it done. Absolutely. And I think... I think the biggest like first world problem we're going to have, and I think it's already here for the most part. And you know, of all the problems we could have, I think you know this is very like low on the totem pole for many people. But like existentially, it's a big deal. Like what we have is we have a we, this is the largest generation of children without fathers in American history. Mm. In terms of you know complaints. Amongst you know millennial children who were you know anyone born after two thousand after the year two thousand, um, their biggest complaint is well mom and dad either work too much or when they're around me they're on their phone too much. I, I think the mm. biggest problem we're going to have is not just is not necessarily the the rapid decline of the family, but what we're having is a decline in the relevancy of the family. Because when you force sure. your kids to entertain themselves, to just figure things out for themselves, when you're only there, when you know they need money or something bad has happened, what that's going to do is that's going to make that a relationship just based off need. It's no longer just a relationship based off want. Right. And as I've gotten older, I mean, I'm only 24. Like, you know, I, I look at some of my friends who are now saying, you, you know, as they move into their own places and they start to get their own families and their own lives getting started, they say, you know, I, I wish I, I wish I had spent more quality time with my parents. 
I know what they did for mm-hmm. me. I appreciate what they did for me. But I wish maybe we had taken just some time just to do something together. And I think, yeah. you know, what, what you're doing is, you know, it might not be making you a lot of money, as we just discussed. It might, you know, have some cons with it with the one bathroom. But ultimately, this is like an investment in the future longevity of your family's happiness and trust with one another. It is. It really is. And if you ask my, my twins, my oldest, if they have had enough time with dad, they'd probably say, yeah, I'd love a break. Uh, but that's to be expected when you share such a small place. Uh, but but you're right. And how many I mean, how many political conversations have you and I had, Remzo? And, have, and, and you know, have, have you had on your show? You, you mentioned families. It's just crucial. It's so crucial. If, if you, we want to see political change, if we want to see the change we want. Yeah, it starts within. But after we change within, that next institution is our families. So it is so important for Abby and I, my wife Abby and I, to, to help teach our kids these core principles of right and wrong, of you know what's good and bad, what's true and false. That's been a big part of this trip. And, and a lot of history, American history, has been uh, consumed on this trip. And my kids, they know government pretty well for their ages and they understand <laughs> they really do. And, and you, I know that you're not surprised by that, but, but they, they understand like, well, if the government does this, that's not, that's not helping my freedom. That's, that's taken away my freedom, dad. And I'm like, yes, it is. And so we've had some, some interesting conversations about government, my kids, I'm, and I'm seeing it as a parent, I'm seeing their eyes open to, you know, you know, maybe labels, maybe like the party systems, maybe that isn't the best thing. Maybe it's about what do I believe to be right and wrong? And this RV trip has allowed us to sort of see those principles blossom inside of them. It's been, it's been wonderful. And one thing that I, I definitely want to dig into a little bit with the time we have left, I think one important thing about travel, just as, you know, an experience itself, you know, a lot of people, when they think of travel, they think of, you know, Let's go to Universal. Let's go to a, a beautiful island. You know, I, I call it the the Mexico theory. Like everyone you hear who has gone to Mexico has probably gone to the same safe resort in Cancun. They haven't gone to Juarez <laughs> and they haven't gone to Mexico City and they have not seen the trouble on the border. That's because we don't want to go to unpleasant places. And the one thing that I think has definitely changed my opinion more recently because of, you know, just some life changes, you know, traveling for work, being out of work, working in strange places where I definitely was like, I have no clue where I am. Like uh, uh, you get to see the rest of America and, you know, as someone that's lived on the East coast for a majority of their life, you know, I, I have an appreciation for the rest of the country, but what you do have is you have this, you know, it's almost like this balkanization in mindset. Well, Everything is nice because my neighborhood is nice and everywhere I've gone in the state is nice and everywhere I go up the mm-hmm. coast is nice. Like here, here's the harsh reality. Like there are a lot of places in America that are struggling. And yes. I don't you know, we could see it on the news. We could see it in a movie. We could read about it in an article. It, it's one thing to, you know, like see poverty. I'm sorry. It's one thing to know about poverty. It's another thing to see poverty. How has, yes. how has your travels, apart from just the historical appreciation of how blessed we are living in the United States, how has traveling across the country changed your children's opinions of, you know, what what this country is like right now, what it's like for different types of people? I am so glad you asked this question um, because my, we have seen it. We've seen both. Um, 
just uh, three, four nights ago, we had uh, some dinner with a friend of mine and, and, you know, his dad is a billionaire and, and he does really well himself. And they have this beautiful, beautiful, huge, large home. And my kids, you know, noticed that and, and they, they you know, is, is this guy rich daddy? And, and, and they kind of had questions about that, but that's been contrasted throughout this trip. I'll never forget when we went to DC you, you, I mean, I know how familiar you were. I, I, just, I just shuddered a little bit. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> what what did he see? <laughs> it was, you know, uh, to, to see. The I'm going to pause you right there. I'm going to pause you right there. Yeah. Do you know what a tumbleweave is? I do not. No, okay. what is it? Well, this is how you know you've been in D.C. for too long. A tumbleweave is much like its more Midwestern cousin, the tumbleweed. But the tumbleweave is a loose weave which has fallen off a woman's head, which has tumbled <laughs> on the street and is now covered with trash, cigarettes, and other things you can't see. Oh. I mean, oh can't, can't notify. So in certain parts oh. of D.C., the tumbleweave is a rampant part of the local iconic <laughs> scenery. So you will have to come back, and when you have seen the tumbleweave, you will have gotten a full taste of my favorite city. Yeah, I can't say we've seen the tumbleweave in its natural uh, environment, no. But uh, <laughs> but I will say you know, to your question, and it's a poignant question. Um, my kids saw some poverty there, and I'll never forget the compassion that they had. Uh, they and I gave some money to some of them that that I thought really could use it. And and it, they, the same thing, we went to L.A. on the other side of the country. We saw these uh hoovervilles you know that that term from from wow. the war yeah um these these tents of the people that are homeless and again they were moved in that way um when we were staying in san diego and i'll make this very brief when we were staying in san diego um we had an opportunity it kind of fell in our laps to to help provide some basic necessities for a young refugee family uh, from the middle east now this man had uh, worked for his government and had helped uh, and had assisted the U.S. government with some intelligence. Well, word got out and uh, terrorists were now he was now on, on a wanted list and a kill list for these, these some uh, terrorist group. So America got him out of there and they are they just got there. They had gotten there three weeks prior to us and they had nothing, nothing. And he had a comfortable life. This family had a comfortable life back home. My kids got to see and hear about these stories and they, my kids got to hand over diapers and food to their children. And it was just so special to watch and to see the compassion on their faces and in their hearts. So my kids have seen this great dichotomy of, wow, you know, is this a mansion? Is this guy rich dad to this family has nothing dad. And I'm so glad we're able to help. So we've had a, a great variety of flavor in that, in that regard. Well, Eli, this has been, you know, a, a remarkably interesting conversation. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk to me. I know that this Thursday, so folks, by the time you're listening to this, it, you know, you have enough time if you're in the area. But this Thursday in northern Utah, you actually are holding a, you know, kind of a talk about what your family's experienced. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, thanks. So so in, in Logan, the Utah State University, the, the LDS Home Education Conference is being held on Thursday. Uh, Thursday, May 30th at 1030 a.m. I am presenting on road schooling on what we've been doing with our kids, what we've been doing across the country. You know, this audience just got sort of a taste of of what I'm going to talk about. Uh, but if you're in the area, uh, come to the L LDS 
Yes, home education conference uh, this Thursday. I'm going to be speaking at 1030. Would love to see you. I'd love to meet you face to face. Perfect. Well, Eli, thank you so much for uh, you know joining us today, and you know I pray for nothing but safety and good times on the road as your family, you know, continues to hit up the rest of the country and eventually find out where you're going. And I'm I'm caucusing for Virginia because Virginia's the best. I'm just gonna go ahead and put it out there. So <laughs> very anyway, good, Eli. If anyone wants to follow you on Twitter, social media, see what's going on, all that jazz, how could they do so? Yeah, uh, Twitter, it's at Eli Bowman, just my name, and Facebook, it's the same. Uh, it's just, just look up Eli Bowman, you'll see a picture of uh, me looking very serious with a sweater and a tie. But uh, yeah, I'd love to connect with everybody, you bet. Perfect. Well, folks, is this something that you think you might want to do? Do you have problems with it? Go ahead and let me know. Follow me on Twitter at Remso4VA. That's R-E-M-S-O-F-O-R-V-A. Follow me. I'll follow you back indiscriminately, as well as Vero. I'm trying to pump up Vero, folks. It's a, it's an awesome place. Go on there and see for yourself. But as always, go ahead and leave, leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. You know the internet better than me, folks. And, uh, you know, take care. Think on good things. And I'll see you next time. This is the Remso Martinez Experience. Good night. cringy like late night show music i really wanted to do a late night show type of format uh with the rems and martinez experience i i I still get a little bit reminiscent over it but i think uh, i think things have changed for the better over time but anyway you know when i was listening back to this episode i would have never imagined a world where i wanted to leave virginia and I'll, i'll talk about this more in depth in maybe another episode but uh, this idea of moving around so constantly, and you know, especially when you have your your whole life with you, your family in the RV with you, that always seemed intimidating. And I'm not saying I'm getting into the RV life now or anytime soon, but um, you know, it's it's this idea of getting out of your comfort zone in order to achieve more. It's this idea that experiences matter more than possessions. That your freedom to move and to make money wherever you can and to experience new things. Uh, matters more now in a world where we see what the restrictions are like and we see what travel restrictions are like you know i was talking with my fiance and we want to be able to travel overseas but in order to do that we you know for most countries we need a covid19 uh vaccine uh certificate and neither of us well she's vaccinated but i i'm still not choosing to be vaccinated i don't want to be vaccinated but because of that um, you know, now I'm being hit with the fact that I probably won't be able to travel outside the country anytime soon, at least not in the legal way. So with, with this, I mean, we, we really need to discuss the, the biggest thing, which is how do you define happiness for him and his family? You know, all their changes, everything they did brought them closer together. And in this post, you know, this post COVID world, even though COVID's still around, we, we really need to be discussing, you know, what are the things that we wanted to do that, we should probably jump on now because you don't know what more and more freedoms and opportunities are going to be taken away from you. And in a world where things can just go ahead and end within seconds, you know, we don't know when we're going to die. We, we really need to start asking ourselves. It's like, what, what is the point of trying to keep ourselves alive if we're not going to live? And they've been having an amazing set of journeys since I keep up with Elon on Facebook and see all the great things him and his sons and 
daughters are doing and you know him and his wife they seem to be having just a great time we really need to begin to ask ourselves you know how, how do we find our sense of happiness in this world whether it's doing something drastic like jumping in an rv or not you know that's that might not be a cup of tea for everyone, but sometimes, you know, the biggest challenges come with the biggest rewards. I'm doing this move, as I mentioned, and I'm nervous, but I know that I'm going to get a lot of great opportunities out of it professionally, and I'm going to grow a lot as a person personally. And that's the point of this on-the-run mentality that I don't think I talk of enough. It's this idea that if we're not moving forward, if we're not constantly adding more chapters to the amazing stories of our lives, whether it's big or, you know, ginormously significant, you know, when we follow our own hero's journey of going through challenges and tough situations, we we see the type of people we come out at the other end. And hopefully I want to be the person that has gained more from pushing myself into a more strenuous life than otherwise. Hey, you know, thank you for your patience. Hope you enjoyed this little recap, you know, this little re-airing with some extra thoughts here and there as years go by. You know, it's amazing having hundreds of hours of uh, you know, audio content from this and the last show and second print comics and firing back of gun owners of America, my TV show, the witching hour. I mean, there's just so much stuff out there. So I hope you didn't think that this was me just trying to do a cop out method. I really hope that, uh, you benefited from this. If you'd never listened to the episode and hopefully if you have my thoughts at the beginning and my thoughts here kind of wrap things together as we pull out this little time capsule moment to see how things have changed since. So, you know, that's, uh, that's it. So, you know, I'm, I'm rambling. I'm tired. <laughs> be good. Be safe. And I'll talk to you later. Good night. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Like the Chris Spangle Show, Liberty Explained, The Brian Nichols Show, The Boss Hog of Liberty, Freedom Strips with Keaton Tucker, On the Run with Rimzo Martinez, Gingerarchy with Trisha Stewart Mann, Upward Libertarian Activism, and now hear this. Tune in now and we're going to help you sound smarter when talking with your friends. 